That's right. I, d- don't ever forget who owns this podcast. I won't. All right? <laughs> if we do an intro, this is going to be it. Oh, oh. Don't I break the microphone. Sorry, I got to get settled. I have to get settled. Welcome to Coffee and Conversation, a podcast that's all in the name. Good coffee with great conversation. Here's your host, Larry Vincent. To the Coffee and Conversation podcast, I am your host, uh, Larry Vincent, and with me uh, today, uh, starting her career as a pod- podcast co-host, <laughs> she's going to hate that one later, uh, Miss Autumn, and get ready for this, listeners, Miss Autumn, Mrs. Autumn Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> coffee. Yes. Your last name is Coffee. Yes. Now, we have to address the uh, coffee elephant in the room. Uh, just because your last name is Coffee mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the podcast Coffee and Conversation is yours. It was made for me. It was made for you. <laughs> it was yeah. I'm, it, seriously, uh, you guys remember from season four, Autumn, Autumn and Brian came on and did a phenomenal job of telling their story. And well, thank you, um, Autumn. Why don't you uh, explain exactly uh, what you were hoping to uh, accomplish being my co-host this season? So um, I just needed a podcasting mentor and um, reached out to you and you said, hey, why don't you uh, come along alongside me and we can, um, you can do the season with me and learn some stuff. And I was excited because I love talking to people and so here I am. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. I think it is. But we are not here to talk about us today. Nope. Uh, this season we are starting, uh, this, the, every season we have a theme. And this season, we're calling it A Hole in the Soul, right? A Hole in the Soul. I love uh, that. Yeah. Uh, which one of us came up with that one? That was me. It was you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Not prideful <laughs> at all. I bet you definitely think this song is about you, don't you? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> anyway, yeah, you can laugh, Amanda. It's okay. <laughs> I'm trying it's... to, like, not take over the... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hole in the Soul, where we're talking about people who... Um, through one circumstance or another, um, have holes in their hearts and try to fill it up. Um, and part of that uh, is religious trauma. Uh, and you know, I got turned on from uh, turned on about this term just this year for the first time uh, about a month or two ago, when a friend of mine uh, in high from high school was uh, public about her um, experiences through religious trauma syndrome. Uh, and uh, I was very curious about that. And then when I posted about it, I found out I had friends um, who have religious trauma syndrome, which really, really, really upset me. Uh, not because of their experience, but because there's people in the church and, and the world um, who have a faith that use that to manipulate and to destroy others. Um, but we're going to talk about that. Half the season will be religious trauma syndrome. Half the season, Autumn, will be what? Addiction. Filling that hole in the soul with the things. With, yes, with the things, exactly. The things. And, you know, and uh, even at this table today, we have different perspectives on how to fill that hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that today, which leads us to the first guest of the season. Uh, a good friend of mine and, and my family's, the whole family is a good friend of mine, uh, Amanda Galloway. Hi, Amanda. Hi, <laughs> and you forgot to mention that we were neighbors. We were oh, neighbors. You told me that, yeah. yeah we were within, awesome neighbors. You know, within a couple of months, we lost both neighbors to each side of us, and we had a complex for a little while. But you missed not, us more. I did miss you more, but I thought people were just leaving because of us. <laughs> yeah, they were like, it's not you. It's <laughs> yeah, 
yes, it is. After the second person that left, you're like, I don't know what we can do now. <laughs> They're trying to tell us something. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the same renters uh, bought the bought the two houses next to us, and uh, and so you know now we we have awesome neighbors. They're really cool neighbors, but yeah. Anyway, welcome again to the podcast. You are you are in a rare league, Amanda, uh, because you are a repeat guest, and I have very few repeat guests. Oh, wow, I feel special. <laughs> yeah, you should. You always have a way of doing that. I, you know, I try, I try. So, Amanda, um, you know, we people already uh, got to know you in the first season. I, I feel like we recorded that. Did we record that? You no, know, I think that's the first one that you did and you said that there was no recording that's right we did not record it it's like the redo where we get a recording yes right perfect so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself uh you know i I, uh and how you classify yourself faith-wise today okay uh Uh, and we'll go from there sure so i am currently atheist i i don't really like saying i am an atheist because i don't really feel like that defines who i am i just am somebody that doesn't have any belief in god I do, however, have very strong moral values, which is something that I find a lot of people have a hard time thinking can fit together. So that's kind of a challenge. But I grew up a religious, I think a religious and atheist are kind of the same thing, but a little bit different. Um, But I had always had a very strong interest in religion. I had always wanted to go to church. I believed in Jesus, even though I wasn't taught that in my family. And then I fell in line with a a church growing up, and I joined that church when I was 18. And I was a member of that church for many, many, many years. And then I had a major faith crisis about, I was in 2016, 2017, so what, that's about four years ago now. Um, And so that faith transition was extremely traumatic for me because of its really short time span I went from believing wholeheartedly to just completely not at all but it wasn't a light switch though I mean I mean, I mean and I don't mean to um, to simply attack that word right sure. and, and so I'm trying I'm trying it was if I remember correctly it was a process you know it wasn't like one day you woke up and you're like hey today I'm an atheist um, I mean, it was relatively short when you look at, I mean, it was a matter of months. So yeah, it wasn't night and day, but right. it was when you're talking about years, almost decades of having a very strong belief to where you just thought it was real. I mean, I'm looking at this coffee cup in front of me and I, to me, this was all, Jesus was just as real as this coffee cup in front of me. And so within just a few months period of time to have gone from that to having a relationship with God um, having an, your identity wrapped up in being a Christian to all of a sudden feeling like there's absolutely nothing there is extremely traumatic. And it was a very short period of time relative. To sure, that. that makes more sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and I didn't mean just to jump at that. No, you're fine. Uh, yeah, was there uh, one specific instance that, um, like, do you remember back to s- something in specific that kind of started that transition? Um, I think there was a, a chain reaction or a snowball effect, really. There was just some things that, I started thinking about a little bit differently, maybe asking questions or questioning things in different ways and not really accepting the answers that were fed to me anymore and instead really thinking about what does this actually really mean and do I really think this is right? Um, And then I started just doing some more historical research and just came to that conclusion. What's really interesting though is that uh, a lot of people think that I chose to be atheist, that I didn't want to believe in God anymore. 
or they'll say, oh, you know, it must have been, it's just too hard to, to be religious. So you left because that was the easier thing to do, but it was actually more difficult. That was not a conclusion that I wanted. And so, you know, when you go through a grief process, one of the stages of grief is bargaining. So I went through all of those stages of grief and bargaining was definitely one of them. I was grasping at straws, trying to find some way in which to continue to believe in God. And it, it just wasn't working no matter what I did. And it was extremely obsessive levels too. I mean, it was to the point where all day I was just online researching different religious contexts, trying to find stories of uh, near-death experiences and, you know, those kinds of things mm -hmm. so that I can get some kind of reassurance that there was a God, but it just, it wasn't working. Was that creating uh, anxiety within yourself and within your family? And if so, what did that look like? Um, well, it was definitely creating anxiety within myself. Yeah. The rest of my family didn't have it as bad. Uh, my husband was okay. I mean, it was kind of difficult for him, but not so much. And my kids were young, and they were never... I don't think they were as converted as I was. Okay. Um, when I was doing a lot of research after, I had discovered that when you have a stronger belief in something and you lose it, it does affect you a greater deal. So not saying that my husband didn't believe, but I don't, I don't think he believed to the degree that I did. Right, right. So how did you deal in with, with that anxiety? I mean, you already mentioned how you kind of, you went through the motions of trying to grasp at straws and trying to hang on to that, that faith. But as that faith um, moved on, I don't want to, a lot of people say died and I don't, your, you, you didn't die and moved on, right? It's just, disappeared it just disappeared <laughs> yeah. yeah okay that, that's died. fair you could say died yeah yeah okay well I, I you know I lost yeah okay yeah, yeah. I mean that that's very because you know like I know people who don't believe in Christianity or even God but still they have a they, they what they define as a faith and and so mm -hmm. you know it's it's I want to be make sure I'm using the words that you would use right oh, so yeah. um yeah so so when when that faith actually died uh and you started grieving, how then did you start coping with the uh, anxiety that was coming of not having something to grasp onto? So that's actually the entire problem. Yeah. There is no coping mechanism anymore. All of a sudden, you're left without someone to turn to. There's no one to pray to anymore. There's no one that you are leaning on to fix your problems because there is always that feeling of, well, I can turn to God. There's someone that's always going to be there to fix this for me. Um, and I'm familiar with Christian doctrines of, you know, you do all you can and then, and then he comes in. But now I'm faced with, I do all I can and that's it. <laughs> There's yep. no one else to come in. So then you're left with that, oh my gosh, how do I deal with this? How do I cope? And honestly, it's still something that I am still working on. And I, I see that as part of the growth process. Yeah. You know, one of, uh, one of the things that I saw uh, in you specifically, Amanda, uh, was your jump towards, for lack of a better word, humanitarian efforts? Um, you know, you know, uh, you actually dove into a lot of things um, that you believe strongly in. I can't. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? I can't exactly remember what they were specifically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I know that it, you were like across the nation trying to uh, get people together to respond to some things. Yeah, um, okay, so after I stopped believing in God, I my empathy just jumped up through the roof. I, I think it maybe had to do with the fact that all of a sudden I 
I don't know, when you're, when you're part of a, a fundamental group, you tend to see other people as different. You don't even realize you're doing that. And really, that's any kind of group. We, that's just human nature. We tend to identify with people that are like us in some way. So we kind of dehumanize people to a certain level that are not like us. Mm. And so when you are no longer associated with a particular group, all of a sudden, everybody is like you. And so I just experienced this surge of love for people around me. And we're all the same, you know? But then there was this sadness that we're, we're all going to die. And this is the only life we have. And I don't want your one and only experience to be suffering and misery. And so I just felt this need to do things and not just sit there. Plus, like I had mentioned before, I no longer believe there was a God to fix it. And so I thought, well, gosh, now it's up to us. It's up to us to reach in and do something ourselves. So I did start getting involved with just things that came across my way. Um, like when Hurricane, was it Hurricane Harvey? Um, happened. Worst I, naming hurricane ever. It was. It was. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> got the comedian in the room here. We got to address that. <laughs> Harvey. I, I'm not a big fan of the name Harvey. Okay. I'm sorry. not. Sorry. I, I ruined the moment. I oh, apologize. that's okay. No, you're fine. <laughs> I don't know He's probably alluding to Harvey Weinstein. Oh. Yeah. Yep. I had oh, it. okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, we live next door to him. We know how we do. <laughs> okay. I was totally lost. That's okay. That's okay. I have a question. Sure. Okay. So uh, you you speak about, you know, you were spending a lot of time researching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my question is, when you were researching, was it trying to find s- things to disprove? Like, f- for me, sometimes I went through religious times where I didn't have the feeling. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so do you feel like it was a lack of a feeling or was it a search for answers? Does that make sense? Um, yeah. So that is a common question I get, the disprove one in particular, a lot of people. And in fact, um, my religious group would teach people that there's certain reasons why somebody would leave or not believe in God anymore. And one of those is that, well, you were trying to find a way to make it not true, which right. is a complete myth. Most people, most sane people, if you're told you have this wonderful being up there who loves you and is going to heal you and let you live in eternal bliss, who in their right mind would not want to believe that right like who in their right mind right would actually want to find a way for that to not be true right so that's definitely one myth that I like to dispel with people right away so for me it probably stemmed from a fear of um needing it to because I felt it it was so true and because it was just so real to me when I had come across holes that didn't make sense it would make me panic a little bit like oh my gosh, if, if this isn't real, I don't know what I'm going to do because I need that. I need this to be real. Can you give me an example of holes? Like, do you have any specific where you're like, oh, that doesn't make sense or oh? I do, but then it, it gets into a little bit of theology, which okay. I don't want to be disrespectful. Okay. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Um, so and and like, she doesn't want to get into that conversation no. right now. <laughs> okay, no, so. probably not here. <laughs> a lot of times when I've questioned stuff, um, Glennon Doyle calls it the knowing, right? So Mm -hmm. the feeling that you have inside that guides you and sometimes that knowing is louder than anything else, if that makes sense. 
So for you, do you feel like it was internal feeling that then started to look at things and question them? Mm, I just, I'm a big believer in basing what you believe on evidence okay. and facts. So I went through a long period of time um, thinking that what I believed was in my heart and my mind. And I had gotten to a point in that short period of time that factual evidence was just completely opposed to, like it just, there was no way I could put the, pe the pieces were crumbling. I wasn't able to put them to back together to make them look like anything cohesive to me anymore. And so at that point, it's just kind of like if you see something right in front of you, you like this coffee cup here, you know, this is a coffee cup and you know, it's hard and makes this noise when I tap on it or whatever. There's probably nothing I can do to convince you that it's a dog. No matter how much you'd want to believe, it's a cute little puppy dog, you know. Um, it's just I, kind of the same. I like that analogy. <laughs> I know, like, on the fly here, like, uh, what am I going to use as an example? It's so brilliant. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like the analogy. Uh, I obviously disagree with the analogy a little a little sure. bit. But, you know, but that's, yeah, this is, again, not the point of this particular podcast right. uh, whole, uh, episode. But um, I, I do, um, I, I do uh, appreciate the fact that you that you have studied this, looked at this, and have come to a conclusion, albeit a different one than I would hope for, right? Sure. Um, Me and, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and and, and uh, you know, Autumn, I think you're you're hitting a nail on the head here with, you know, the idea of that inner knowing. Talk a little bit more about that for me, because I want to. How does that? How do you define that? Well, you, you just know, I don't know. And I've had it both ways. There's there's times where, and I think in general, um, faith has been, a, we've talked about this, yeah. faith has been a real struggle for me. And so um, earlier in the year I read The Four Agreements. And so it was like that book like broke my world wide yeah. open. And so um, you just examining stuff like you said like you're you're brought up and you're told a group of, of ideas and you get to a point and I don't know if it's age I don't know if it's circumstances but there comes a time when you start examining stuff and saying do I really believe this or is this something that I'm um I'm living out that just because I was told this so you're, you're talking about that gut feeling kind of a thing right when it comes to when it comes to faith and general knowledge and, uh, am I right there? Yes. Okay. Feeling. Yeah. So then, you know, if I'm bringing this back then to your particular context, Amanda, uh, would, would you, would you say that your desire to ask questions and to seek out truth was not encouraged, um, in the context in which you were, you were raised? You know, what's interesting, well, first of all, I wasn't raised in, in that religion, but, um, well, I wasn't raised as a Christian at all. That's right, yeah. But, um, I apologize. No, that's okay. Um, so what's what's hard about it and what part of the trauma is is the gaslighting because yeah. on one context you're told to seek out the truth, but what ends up happening is when you come to that, if you don't have an answer yep. that they want, then all of a sudden it the truth really comes out on their end that, well, we're not, we're just kind of pretending to support your search for the truth and only will continue to do so if you get the answer that we want you to have. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, uh, Amanda, because, uh, you and I have talked about this one in particular 
and that's the one that makes me the angriest. Uh, you know, because uh, I so many Christians in general, you know, hold the truth like with a closed hand because they're afraid of letting it go. They're afraid that they explore it. They're afraid if they allow people to question it that somehow they get convinced otherwise, mm. right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I I practice, and I believe that if the truth is the truth, then no matter how you explore it, you'll always come back to it, right? Uh, and so I hold truth with an open hand, which is why, you know, this can even happen, why coffee right. and conversation can even happen, because you can come to a table with an atheist and a person struggling with their faith and a person, uh, you know, a person who's very strong in their faith and say, uh, here's what we believe. Now let's tear it apart and see what we find. Right. Um, and, and that's really what the ministry at CTP is kind of, you know, selfless plug uh, is doing here, <laughs> you know, uh, because we want people to be able to explore questions and to ask yeah. the things that they want to ask. And I think that you mentioned what you mentioned right now is really important because I do think a lot of the the hostility directed at people that leave is fear. It's yeah. fear on people's own parts because it is a sad thing to, to come to that conclusion. And so. I do always want to send that message to people that look, my belief has nothing or lack of belief has nothing to do with you and I don't have any need to convince you otherwise. Now, I do think that people in general, human nature, we do try to convince each other of our, our views. It's a need to be right versus... Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, not just a need to be right. I genuinely... protect your own... Well, yeah, well not even that. But I genuinely care about you. Amanda, and I genuinely care about you, Autumn, right, and right. and so what what and according to my belief system, I mm-hmm. uh, you know not only is my my obligation to share what I believe and to convince you otherwise, uh, you know to convince you of it, I mean, but there's a there's an actual consequence, right. <laughs> right. you know, and so uh, Jen, uh, Jen, not Jen, uh, Jen, uh, Penn and Teller, uh, <laughs> Penn Gillette, that's his name. Uh, he's an atheist. Right, and he said that he has only been approached one time by a devoted Christian about uh, about what he actually believes, and he says, "If you Christians actually read your Bible and you actually came to me, you responded to me the way mm-hmm. that you know the Scriptures tell us to," he says, "I might give it a second thought, but because we don't care enough to shit to talk about it, mm-hmm. that becomes a problem." And so, you know, it's, I, I don't want to, I want to be right. Everybody wants to be right. I agree with you there. But I want it, I want you to be, I, I want you to be a Christian and anybody to be a Christian because that, I believe that that's the key to eternal life. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up too, because since we're talking about the context of people that have religious trauma syndrome, those, yeah. those kinds of what's seen as reaching out for one person can be very triggering for yeah. a person who has religious trauma syndrome. So when... I have to constantly, when people approach me with things like that, I have to constantly check myself because, um, how do I put this? When I'm trying to put this in a way that comes across non-offensive, but still gets what is happening, like what I'm experiencing. Yeah, please do. So from the perspective of a person who maybe have been abused by someone, okay, so like let's say a woman was abused by a man. Not all men are abusers, obviously, but when they were abused by somebody, um, they can have some triggers by people that remind them of that, right? So when you hear people praising your abuser all the time, 
it feels very minimizing to your experience. It feels very gaslighting. That's kind of the word of the, of the yeah. decade, right? Yeah. But it's such an important word. So when, when I have to hear that all of the time, it can be very difficult. But I do. I do it. I, I try really hard to be respectful and let other people have their expressions. But there's also boundaries for me. That sure. You can't infringe on my boundaries. Sure. Just like I don't, infr- like I don't go around trying to convince everybody to be to not believe in God, and I ha- I expect the same respect for people not to infringe on me because it is very triggering for me when people do that, and yeah. you're always wondering what is their ulterior motive, right? Intentions. Yeah. Are you just <clears throat> trying to convert me? Are Are you? just trying to proselyte because you're trying to get another number in your church or even if you do care do you care even if I don't come even if I never show up are you still going to have that same genuine care what does care look like in that context um being being respectful and seeing me as a good human being regardless of whether I ever convert to Christianity and Larry I appreciated you mentioning the the involvement that I have with humanitarian efforts because that is a really big thing that people assume that I'm evil or they'll, I've had, I can't tell you how many people have asked me, what makes you not want to murder people? Oh <laughs> and I'm like, really? They should be asking me that question. <laughs> I know, you're the crazy looking one with the purple hair. It is red. It is red. <laughs> but mine's natural red. Yes, you are, you are natural red. That's I, red. Yeah. That's, yeah, this is rock star red. Rock star red, yes. From now on. Uh, I mean, doesn't view. he look more? If you saw us on the street, yeah. I look so white bread, and he's like super rock star. We would totally look like the For opposite. sure. Uh, yeah. From now on, Autumn, you will refer to me as the rock star podcast. Okay. <laughs> rock star red. <laughs> so, with the. Okay, so is it religious trauma? Religious syndrome? trauma okay. syndrome. That was uh, a coin termed by. Um, Marlene Winnell, she is a psychologist, and she does research on religious trauma syndrome. She has a website, I think it's called journeyfree.org. Yes. Yes. And so is it, is the trauma internal with you, or did it happen from the actual religion? Does that make sense? It happened from the people, and two things, twofold. The people shunning. Okay. And the paradigm shift. So okay. the trauma of finding out something right. that you adored right. and loved. Okay. You're answering my question. Yeah, yeah exactly. Leaving that. One of the things that, I, that just keeps on hitting me in my, in my head as we're talking is that nine leads to holes, right? And you had this nine kind of, you know, um, aggravating kind of like journey to find what, what you thought was truth, right? And... And as you kept on discovering that what you believed was not what you believed anymore, then that started turning into holes, right? Oh, yeah. I left a big hole in my life. Yeah. Uh, And that's often what happens with, you know, uh, PTSD, which RTS is a form of PTSD. Mm -hmm. Yes. and, and, And I know very little about RTS, right? I know a little bit more about PTSD for obvious reasons. Right. Uh, it's a physical change in your brain. Um, and... And, uh, and, and, and it's like a scar uh, on your brain, right? And, and, and it does change your very perspective. And so that hole has a very physiological um, kind of result to it. Um, is that something you experienced? 
Oh, absolutely, Larry. So I did uh, quite a bit of research on RTS and PTSD because I was recognizing that's what was happening to me. And you said it, PTSD is exactly, or RTS is exactly the same thing as PTSD. It's just that it was specifically caused by religious contexts. Because yeah. PTSD, you know, a lot of people assume it's just war veterans, but it could be any kind of trauma, any kind of inciting event that causes somebody significant trauma. Right. So, yeah. So after this happened, like, what would you say some of the symptoms you experienced, um, kind of what, what did that look like for you after this happened, I guess? So you have to think about all of the things that you're losing. You, I mean, think about if you're someone that you loved very deeply was Mm -hmm. to just die all of a sudden. Okay. So you're experiencing the grief of that. Like you have to remember Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, were very real to me. Right. Like you sitting in front of me and poof, you know, they're just gone. So that I was grieving their loss. Right. But I was also losing my identity. I didn't know who I was anymore. And that context was gone. I lost my own eternal salvation. All of a sudden, I felt like I was getting a death sentence for my entire family. No eternal salvation with them. Once you die, that's it. That was, it's, it's extremely traumatic. Um, also the, um, the shunning that happened after that was, so if you could imagine someone who was a widow grieving a loss, you expect people come and pat her and help her. Instead, not only did people not do that, but they were spitting on me and kicking me and telling me it was my fault. So you can just imagine how that exponentially increase the amount of So trauma. you weren't necessarily feeling the love that maybe you were taught should have been... No. Okay. <laughs> I right. was expecting a little bit of compassion. Right. I was scorned for it instead. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, it was more than just a funeral. It was a divorce. Um, no, I don't know. Because it, it didn't feel like my choice. That's a good question. No, it was, it was really a funeral to me. It, I've was very obsessed and still kind of am obsessed with death and loss now because of that. Yeah. I mean, in the sense that, you know, I'm I'm trying to put into context what you're, what you're saying to me, to us. Uh, and you know, I hear this disconnect, um, the people turn their backs on you. Yeah. The people was like, yeah, Yeah. you're absolutely, you know, so like when I, when, when, you know, every, every family knows this, when you go through a divorce, the, the family that you thought was family yeah. turn their back on you. Um, right. You know, and they don't allow, you're, they don't accept the fact that you're grieving the loss of them as well. Right. You know? That's um, a good point. Uh, and that's a, that's a hard thing to deal with. I mean, it really is. And, and, you know, and so, you know, one of the things that we want people to understand as part of this podcast is how you dealt with that. Um, you know, I'm not suggesting that you filled that hole back up, right? But I do know that you have taken steps to fill that hole back up. Sure. Um, and so, can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Okay. So one of the things I do think was that, well, I had been told the purpose of life was one thing, so I was left without meaning. So one of the ways that I think that I got myself back together was trying to find meaning. I kept trying to find meaning and I never found it. So I had to create meaning. So I created meaning by thinking about what's important in life and human connection is a thing that kept coming up. And I guess that's where all of the 
humanitarian efforts came from. I then went out and tried to find other people in the community, so I formed a Facebook group. Yeah, yep. Yep, the Humanist Hendrix. Wait a minute, I don't even know the name of my own group. That's terrible. <laughs> in my defense, it was supposed to be a temporary name. I think it's um, Atheists and Agnostics of Hendricks County or something like that, whatever. Which I tried to infiltrate, and uh, they were having none of that. You know, actually, there were some people that were interested and some that weren't. Yeah. And the only reason that we didn't blend it was because of the division. But I would be open to doing a separate group yeah. Separate from that. that well, I mean, and, and yeah. like you said, just my presence as a pastor, being on that group yeah. would be a possible trigger for a lot of because people. Because so many people oh, do I have didn't think the, about that, yeah. Right. It's right. not necessarily that they don't like Larry Vincent. I mean, right. <laughs> like, who couldn't like Larry Vincent? Right. Uh, you can send your emails to... I'm rolling, I'm rolling my eyes. <laughs> um, you can't see. Yeah, right. No, but seriously, though, I mean, just being the type, sometimes the... This is why I, I, I almost hate being called pastor at times because uh, it comes with a lot of baggage, a lot of baggage for a lot of people. You know, uh, I, and I'll say this till I'm dead. Till I'm dead. Uh, the, the greatest compliment I ever get is you don't look like a pastor. You don't act like a pastor. <laughs> right. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, because I don't, I don't, I don't see myself. Well, Larry, that's the only reason I'm in here even willing to talk to you because I haven't been treated as a pity case or a project one of the things that you lose a part of your identity that you lose when you leave or when you become uh, an atheist or leave religion is people don't see you they think that you can't be inspiring anymore or they think that you're broken or and that's not necessarily true you can still give back to the community i could be just as inspiring i could do just as good if not better not me personally but what i'm saying is the amount of service that you do has nothing to do with whether you're a christian or not it just all falls back on the kind of person you are in general so if you're a good person and you gravitate towards the christian lifestyle that's great you know but that doesn't necessarily mean that you cannot judge a person's good character or morality based on what their religion is i would prefer to look and i would assume other christians would like to look at that as just a fruit of one possible fruit of their morality or well, you know it's, it's funny because you uh Christians genuinely or generally believe uh, that morality is a God-given um, from birth type of thing. They, you know, it's an absolute, what we call absolute truths, right? And so I always find it funny when, when Christians uh, say that atheists don't have any moral grounding mm -hmm. because if it's innate within them, then why wouldn't they? Right. You know, it, it, that, that's still, I mean, that actually, you know, Christians, if you're listening... That is actually a point on uh, on the existence of God. <laughs> that, that that morality actually is a thing, right? Right. Uh, but you know, so yes. I mean, I, I look at you and Joe, and I see I see two awesome human beings who love people, who want to see them be better, uh, and 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 who want to who want to see um, you know uh, loving who wants to see people be loved for who they are and what they do. And not necessarily be judged by their actions. And yeah. Well, and your actions are a product of who you are. Yeah. So how you treat people really just says a lot about the kind of person that you are. Right. The kind of respect that you give people. So the respect that you give to Joe and I says a lot about who you are as a person. 
Um, and I hope, and that's not why I do those things, but I hope that people can, who happen to see the things that I do can say that same thing and not say, oh, but she's an atheist. I hope they can say, hey, that says a lot about the kind of person that she is. Right. And, has a, and her lack of religiosity is irrelevant yeah. in terms of whether she has a compassionate heart or whatever. And I do think that if there was a God out there, that he would look at it the same way. But I, I don't want to trample too much on um, like theological things. No, no, God. that's fine. But I would assume that, you know, that's kind of the grounding of some of that. You know, Amanda, a lot of, uh, I had a professor tell me once, uh, and he said, we should all as Christians be hopeful universalists. Uh, you know, and, and the fact that we really do want everybody to go to heaven, right? right. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and unfortunately, there are sects of Christianity out there that say to the sinner, good luck going to hell, you know, and, and I hate that. Yeah, I actually did just kind of one of those trauma triggered kind of things is I did have a few people say things to me like, well, um, I guess you're going to go to hell then and I'm going to laugh <laughs> when I'm there. You and know, that I'm going to laugh? Yeah, those kinds of things. Um, and that didn't um, necessarily come. I've had people from my own church say that, but I've had people outside of that too. So it's, it's not just that church specific or right. anything like that. So. No, it's, it's, it's common. It's common. Yeah. Um, but, you know, kind of back to the shunning issue, yeah. I think it's really interesting because I was reading some studies by, uh, there's a particular psychologist named, oh, I forgot his first name, but Dr. Harper. <laughs> but he talked about this experiment that was done where they put a, a bunch of people in front of some computers and they played a simulated computer game. It was just a simple passing the ball back and forth, right? What they didn't know is that it was just a computer. So part of the participants were um, in front of the game that the ball kept going towards them and they felt included. And they thought they were real people on the other side, you know. And the other part of the participants, um, the computer was programmed to not pass the ball to them at all. And so they were left feeling left out. So it's just really interesting because the results of the study showed people were very upset. It showed psychological distress at feeling left out. And this was just a computer yep. game, a computer yep. simulation. So it isn't expected. There are expected um, predictable reactions to people who are shunned, within people who are shunned. Right. Um, anger mm -hmm. is one of the things that happens. Um, shame. People end up feeling very ashamed of themselves when that happens and we have we have this intrinsic need to connect with other people we are human beings are social creatures god if you will designed us to be connecting social creatures so yeah. when you are left out of a community it creates this anomic situation i don't know if you've ever heard of emil durkheim he is a famous sociologist um, and anomy or anomic societies are societies in which, or egoistics, or yes, egoistic societies are societies in which there is a disconnect between people and suicide rates yep. go up <clears throat> in situations like that. And so when you see people who are shunned suddenly, you see extreme psychological distress. It's expected. Right. And right. that's where you get the term angry atheist. It's mm. not because they're oh. being influenced by Satan trying to yeah. be a little minion. It's 
this is the psychological That's how they feel. Yes, this is a real reaction. It's I'm, expected. I'm picturing the red the red devil <laughs> guy on the shoulder. <laughs> no, it's you you keep saying connection and for me that last year I was in active addiction, that word kept coming up for me. And then after I got uh, clean uh, kind of my thing is the opposite of addiction is connection, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the hole in the soul, I think all the way around is connection. And so you found that in a community that is accepting of you um, and then also a connection to other people that you're able to help. And so do you feel like in general maybe connection is that missing piece? Yes, yeah, I, I would definitely say that's one of the biggest things. Yeah. I found meaning that way. Yeah. So you, you, you're talking a lot about the heart here. And I know that you, that you said a part of your leaving was because of the mental aspect of it. You know, you weren't, you know, once you start digging in mentally. Have you found a filling, so to speak, mm-hmm. mentally? So... I don't know if you know, I but know, yeah, I, know this. <laughs> I am a philosophy major. Yes, and by the way, uh, listeners, she got scholarships. Yes, <laughs> congratulations, Thank Amanda. You. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, now, this is really funny because a lot of people think that philosophy is all about proving there's no God, and that nope. is such a small part of what philosophy is. And what's really interesting is two of my philosophy professors that I work a lot with are both deists. They both believe in God. Yep. So that is a myth for anyone out there that is thinking that there's an agenda for that. There's absolutely not. There are plenty of philosophical arguments that actually purport the belief of God, that positive belief for God. If you're looking at it from a philosophical perspective, it's unanswered still. There's nothing that's proven that there's a God or no God as far as philosophical contexts are concerned. Well, it, so. now correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't, I've not studied philosophy in great detail. I've studied it little, right? Well, I'm not a graduate from, with my PhD yet either. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, but you at least, still in school. You've cracked open some more books than <laughs> I have on the topic. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and isn't the purpose of philosophy to struggle um, you know, isn't that where you find the, the depth and the meaning and, and the things that you're looking for to struggle with that? Like you can't find conclusive evidence, but you can at least struggle with whatever's in front of you. I would say for the close, I think philosophy is, it teaches you how to think critically Okay. to have right. real meaningful reasons, good reasons, yeah. rational reasons for why you believe things. Yes. Um, and I don't see anything about that that conflicts necessarily no. with being um, any kind of deist. No. Or Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. As a matter of fact, I believe that faith is stronger when we bring critical thinking mm. into the mix. Yes, and I agree with that as well. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, I, 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 I use the word struggle. Uh, it's a very new, not new, but now it's like it's an inward with Christianity got to struggle man you know and uh i i but i agree with that i think that you know when we struggle with our faith and we ask hard questions and allow other people to ask hard questions then you know we find meaning at least together uh that we can all you know come together on and say yes this is what we are to do right and actually um since you're talking about that it made me think about being involved in philosophy has actually helped me to have a greater respect for people who still believe in God. When they do it in meaning, when they have come to that conclusion in meaningful ways, I have an even greater respect. Um, 
when people don't really think about it and they just kind of go along with it because that's just what I was told to do. I find that to be problematic. Uh, me too. Um, yeah, and I, I know that you do too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that philosophy helps us to understand one another. It helps us to to not villainize someone for thinking different because then you start to recognize, hey, there's actually plausible reasons to believe this. And it's one of the things that I would have, that would have saved me from the shunning. If people had thought more critically and recognize hey maybe she has a really good rational reason that it's not stemming from evil it's it's coming from these these thoughts and these kinds of arguments are all very convincing on both sides and sometimes at the end of the day you can't always help what it is that you come to a conclusion for and there is a little bit of faith that does have to come in afterwards you just kind of have to go with what you are leaning towards, I guess. Yeah, I mean, even atheism to a degree is faith, right? I mean, because at a certain point, you can't you can't put the final draw. You know, it's a theory as much as anything else is. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Um, so, so, as a mom, as a as a wife, um, as a, as a, a friend, um, how how do you now live uh, with this uh, with this new life that you're that you're exploring? You know, would you say that you're at total peace today uh, with everything, um, or is there still a struggle with it? So, I want people to remember that this is my thinking is not monolithic. Other people that are atheists like me have a completely different. They're totally at peace. For me, it is still a constant struggle. I do struggle with that, but there is there is a silver lining. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term memento mori. It uh, comes from a stoic philosophy, but memento mori basically just means remember we die. Mm. And to me that means live your life to the fullest. because That's where it comes from. Live yeah. your life to the fullest because tomorrow we all die. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> the Bible says that life is just a vapor, right? It's here today, gone tomorrow. Right. Um, so similar yeah. philosophies, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we're just supposed to. I mean, and I think that's the key is focusing on the commonalities that yes. we do have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's it's funny because one of one of the hopes, hopes that I get from these kind of conversations is that we we have to remember our humanity. Mm. You know, we are all humans, right? Whether or not we can come together and agree wholly on what we believe and think, um, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, I look at, you know, I look at Autumn and I look at Amanda and I look at Joe and Brian and, and, and anybody um, in my life as an equal. You know, it's, right. it's, it's not about, I'm, I'm not better than you. I'm not better than anybody. I'm, this is, you know, this is what I'm hoping we get from this, that, you know, connectivity as Autumn's, as Autumn put it. Connection. Yeah. It's all yeah. about connection. It is. Yeah. And looking at, looking back, um, at what you went through and the process it took you to get to where you are today, um, what's the silver lining in that? Um, probably what I had mentioned before, just about forming human connections and love and showing empathy, um, service. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, Amanda, I'm going to give you the last word of the podcast. Uh, this has been an awesome conversation, by the way. Um, thank, thank you, you for very much. Me. Yeah, I love it. Uh, for being a part of this. Uh, we're going to give you the last word, and then uh, Autumn and I will have some final 
final thoughts, but um, as, uh, put yourself in front of another person struggling with religious trauma syndrome, okay? What do you want to tell them? I want you to know that that person has feelings and that they could be really good people, that they're really struggling, that they are grieving a very great loss and they just want to be loved and to try to look at them through God's eyes in the way that you see God and try to see them in that way. Okay. And what do you tell the person actually going through it? Oh, <laughs> that's a loaded one. To try to be patient. Yeah. To forgive people for they know not what they do. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't mean that in a tongue-in-cheek way. I really mean that in a, I think people just don't understand. And that's why what you're doing, the work you are doing, is yeah. very important. So that they can understand. Yeah, it. and I mean, that's my goal, right? Yeah. I want people to understand this. I want Christians to know to stop being so hard. You know, <laughs> stop, stop it. Stop being so hard. I, I mean, stop it, man. Just open your heart and just see from their perspective what they're going through, you know, and try to understand instead of just trying to shun. Um, so, uh, Amanda, as always, we love your family. Uh, and we're so, we, we, you guys got to come over for play date soon enough. Um, <laughs> I know, it's been too long it, since we, coronavirus really messed up. Stick of corona. You remember when everything was Obama's fault? Now it's. Yeah. <laughs> now we were going to have a Christmas party, and you guys were going to be invited, and yep. we didn't get to do uh, it. Listen, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you offline because I can't remember the, the name I put on it. But I have. I am doing a, uh, a all holiday party uh, once this whole thing is over. Oh, it's like all oh, of them combined. Yeah, we're gonna have. We're gonna have. We're gonna have Thanksgiving. I Christmas, feel like it should be. We need to come up with a really good name, like Turducken. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I have a name for it. Oh, you do? I do have a name for it. Here's here's what I'm gonna do. I am going. Yeah, it's uh, it's in. I messaged my my brother and my brothers and my sister about it, uh, and so I'm going to look if it up. If you don't invite us, I will. You are invited. You. Are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? This is. Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay, yeah, it's gonna be called miscellaneous. <laughs> that is so cute. Miscellaneous. Because it's all of the you know, miscellaneous means everything else, right? Yeah, miscellaneous. the mess, Christmas. It's gonna be oh, all the so mess. Yes. Yeah. Miscellaneous. Okay. Mess. That's cute. So we're gonna have all the holidays, all the birthdays, everything we missed, all in right? one big party. It's crazy. I love Fireworks, it. Fireworks, turkey, uh, Christmas lasagna because I'm Italian. <laughs> this is getting stranger and stranger. <laughs> and gifts. All the yes. more reason why you can't miss it. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, no, it's we are definitely we are definitely throwing that party. I'm excited. Uh, once everything is up and over, right? So, uh, and we will invite you guys for okay. sure. Okay. Um, so, uh, thank you so much. Yes. Thank, thank you for you. not shunning us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I any, appreciate that. You know, a uh, personal story. If I, 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 I'd say we're going to be done. And then the story. <laughs> I might edit this out. I may not. Probably won't. One of the, one of the biggest um, signs of friendship and love and respect that I have ever gotten was from you and Joe when I drove home. Uh, we were driving home from church one day and a Jesus statue was put in our yard, right? Uh, and it came from Joe and Amanda. They had a Jesus statue in their yard. Oh. And when they became uh, atheists, if that's the right terminology, sure. um, they didn't want to just throw it out. They had respect for what that signified, and they knew that we were true believers. And so they put it in our yard as a gift. That's nice. And so that is still in our yard. 
uh, as as a sign not she only didn't of our shun you exactly <laughs> yes exactly that's exactly right it because is. you know I know uh, thank eight, you that yeah. is a point we yeah. didn't I, we didn't leave you we just, right yeah. our friendship grew yeah. through yeah. your atheism yeah. our, <laughs> our respect yeah it, you really learn who your friends are because right. you love this is you love people where they're at that is my motto for yep. the century is just love people where they're at yeah for sure all right guys um well this concludes the podcast today i want to thank you all again for for joining us listeners online we are on soundcloud and on uh apple podcast and i believe now all of the major podcast uh hosts so if you uh if you're if you find your favorite podcast downloader and hit us up coffee and conversation you may have to look at through my name larry vincent (laughs) v-i-n-s-o-n Yeah, because I am the host, host. of this podcast. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you have any questions, you can uh, you can email uh, me, Larry, at communitytransformationpartners.org. Uh, that is the ministry that not only supports this uh, podcast, but also is the one that I am on. Uh, also, uh, Autumn, you want to give a shout out to your to your business? Oh, I'll give a little plug here. If you're around the Brownsburg area, come in and see us at the Healthy Bar. Uh, come to Energy Spot Brownsburg. Yeah, and Amanda, you have a music video out. You want to? Uh, talk? Oh no! Plug <laughs> it! Plug it! It is just a little. It's a hobby band. We're not doing this as a career or anything. <laughs> but uh, Lost City Dreams is the name of our band, and we are soon to be, if not already, on Apple Music and all that good stuff. So. Lost City Dreams. Yeah, you have any we gigs have a, yet? We have a YouTube video. We did put up a music video. Do you have any gigs yet, or are you not doing that because of COVID? Um, actually, we d- we had a gig in October, I believe. We played at a street fest, and we might play March Madness. All right, if you have a gig, you let us know. We will plug <laughs> okay. it on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and uh, I think that's I think that's all the things we have to plug. Oh, I always forget today's coffee. We didn't even do the drinks or choice. We didn't. We we didn't even do the first sip. Oh, is there like some kind of ritual? There was. Oh, we are starting season five out. You're gonna have to bite me back again. Do you know what it is though? (laughs) What? It's it's it's. We don't have to do everything the same way all the time. So we could do it at the end, and it could be a new thing. We're we're gonna change. Pass me the coffee, coffee. Okay. Uh, could you pour me some there? Oh, is that's, that? That's a is lefty. That, I'm a lefty. I'm not a lefty. Uh, you're not a lefty. No, that's your problem. See, I'm, I'm a lefty. Brian's a lefty. I like Brian My even more. My mom and son are lefties. You know, God made perfect people, and the rest were right-handed. Mm. <laughs> all right. Would you? Uh, yeah. All right. We're we're gonna we're also gonna make today a new tradition. The last sip. Oh, I love <laughs> the it. The last sip. Cheers. All right. Oh, that's good stuff right there. The coffee on the bottom is always the best. Uh, Our coffee is donated uh, by good friends of mine here in, uh, well, not here because this is Pittsburgh, but in Brownsburg, uh, Hoosier Warrior Coffee, uh, which I think, can you get Hoosier Warrior Coffee at the Um, energy spot? No, not yet. Not yet. Okay, we're working on that. Yes, we are working working on that. that. HoosierWarriorCoffee.com. You can get coffee there. Uh, You can buy it online. Um, and, And they are some amazing people. So, welcome to that. All right. Guys, have a great day. And as always, peace, love, and soul.